0: This is Eye to Eye, an Ayn Rand Institute podcast. I'm Carl Svanberg. Obamacare is arguably the largest expansion of government power in the history of America. Even though the law was ruled as constitutional by the Supreme Court, it still seems miles away from the nation the Founding Fathers created and envisioned. And with the executive branch of the government, represented by President Obama, bypassing the Congress and making changes to the law by fiat, some have questioned if we really are a nation ruled by law any longer. In this episode of Eye to Eye, Ellen Giorno, fellow and director of policy research at the Ayn Rand Institute, sits down with Steve Simpson, director of legal studies at the Ayn Rand Institute, to discuss the rule of law. In the interview, Steve Simpson sheds light on a number of questions related to the purpose and meaning of the rule of law, from the separation of powers to the founding fathers to Obamacare.
1: So I'm sitting down with my colleague, Steve Simpson. Welcome, Steve. Thanks, Salon. Good to be here. So we've heard a lot of complaints about the umpteen rewrites to the Obamacare legislation, suspending provisions of it, pushing them back. Tell us what's going on and what is the outcry? So uh, I think Obama is now,
2: last I checked, on something like the 38th rewrite of this law. That's what the Wall Street Journal said Uh, about a month ago. Uh, Everybody probably has heard that uh, he and his administration have suspended the employer mandate several times. Uh, They've delayed it for a number of years and and kind of uh, tweaked it uh, a number of times. The number or the types of uh, companies that would apply to the mandate and it would apply to some of the other provisions have been tweaked. Of course uh, when there was a hue and cry over everybody uh, losing the insurance policies that Obama had for uh, a number of years when the law was being debated, promised them they would never leave, lose, he uh, he was quick to both suspend the, the individual mandate and the other provisions that apply, uh, and then turn around and tell Congress if they passed a law that actually affected that, that actually created any kind of an exemption, he would promptly veto it. So what does this show us? It shows us a couple things. One, the president believes that he has the power to write the law, create the law, not just enforce it. So the... Constitution says that the president shall faithfully execute the laws. Obviously, Congress has the right to uh, pass the laws. And number two, he doesn't want Congress to go anywhere near tinkering with this law, which is a kind of, it's, it's adding insult to injury. I not only execute the law, I also write the law. And by the way, you guys who are supposed to pass the law, you don't even have the power to do that. That's a real serious problem, and it's right for people to be
1: concerned about it. So we've heard people complain, where's the rule of law now?
2: Yeah, well, so that's a really good question. And, and to really fully answer that question, and maybe we can talk about this a bit, I'd have to go back, I think, heck, I'd have to go all the way back to the founding era, but I don't want to go too far. But I mean, the bottom line uh, point is this. We still have the rule of law in bits and pieces, but we are quickly uh, and, and steadily, unfortunately, really eroding the rule of law. And so people are right to be concerned, but my concern in watching this debate is, are they pointing to the right things? Some, to some extent they are, to some extent they aren't. And if we really want to understand why the rule of law is eroding, we need to understand uh, the debates about it, what they're saying that's, and getting right, what they're getting wrong, and what the underlying causes of the erosion of rule of law are.
1: Now, I heard you talking about this and you quoted at length in, in a talk, uh, comments from Ted Cruz, and they sounded to me pretty strong. So what's his position in, in, on this, and, and what do you think of it?
2: Yeah, so Ted Cruz uh, is a very bright guy, and I think uh, as compared to a lot of other senators, he's quite good. And he took to the Wall Street Journal back in January, right after the State of Union, of Union address, when Obama announced that he was going to be issuing executive orders to get his policies implemented. He wrote, uh, I think with the, the name of the op-ed was the Imperial Presidency, and he rightly called out Obama for uh, what I think a lot of people are saying, that this notion that he gets to rewrite the law and just issue dictates from on high is unconstitutional. It's not what the president is supposed to be able to do. So I I applaud that and I agree with it. But here's the fundamental problem. What Ted Cruz wants to see and what most conservatives wanna see, and frankly both sides uh, on the political aisle do this when when an opposing president is in office, is they say you don't have the, the right to, uh, to write laws like this, you need to include Congress, right? And that's true, okay? So, President executes the laws, Congress passes the laws, President doesn't have the authority to, to just pass laws. But think about Obamacare for a minute, right? It's, it's, it's a, a wildly unconstitutional law in my view. Uh, and it is right that people complain about it. But let's remember something. That was a law that was passed by Congress it was signed by the president, it was even ratified by the United States Supreme Court. If the only complaint you're making is that we need to involve the branches of government that have a role in passing laws, if if that's all you have to say, then Obamacare is your baby and you have no complaint about it. My, My view is there's a more fundamental complaint with a law like Obamacare. And if we really want to get to the heart of why the rule of law is eroding, we need to look at that.
1: So, tell me about that. What is, I mean, what's your conception of the rule of law? What's missing from this current debate about it?
2: Yes. Yeah, so, in order to understand the rule of law, we need to understand what laws are and what they're supposed to do. And this is a very uh, kind of abbreviated discussion of that. But think of laws as laws are uh, the rules that are designed to implement what government does. So, if we want to know what the rule of law should be or what laws are appropriate, we have to ask ourselves a more fundamental question What is it that government is supposed to do? Now, the founders had a very good conception of what the government was supposed to do in form. They made some mistakes, and I'll I'll try to uncover a few of those. But in in principle, the founders' view, and this is the view I agree with and and will will maintain the rule of law, is government exists, is instituted, as the Declaration of Independence puts it, to protect our rights. And my view is, and our view here is, that's the sole uh, purpose of government. Protect rights and only protect rights. It must be limited to that uh, uh, to that purpose, protecting rights. If the government goes beyond protecting rights, then it is ultimately doing something like redistributing income.
1: Tell us more about the, the way in which you see the original purpose of America's government and, and where are we today in the way people think of it. Because one thing that strikes me is we hear much more the term democracy describing our government and people using that as a justification for things, then we ever hear about what you're talking about, the purpose of government and individual rights.
2: Yeah, that's a great question. So let me break that up and, and talk about two points. First a couple more words on the on the proper purpose of government, and then I'll bridge to your question about democracy, because that actually illustrates the issue of democracy and the role of majority rule in lawmaking and law execution. That really illustrates exactly what the problem is. But let me start with the the first point, which is what do rights do? I mean, there's a whole lot to talk about here, but think of it like this. Rights provides an objective, verifiable grounding for government and a test against which we can judge what are proper laws and what are improper laws. So the rule of law, in my view, means uh, protecting individuals' rights, which means banning the initiation of force from human affairs. It's protecting us from criminals and other people who would violate our rights. Now, without going into all of the derivation of that, I'll say that's a nice objective principle. That is something we can measure. We can say, does this law protect rights? If no, it's not proper, right? It's not within the scope of the rule of law. If this, if this other law does, then it is within the scope of the rule of law. So one of the things we know about the protection of rights as the proper purpose of government is it gives us a principle for deciding what the government ought to do versus what it ought not to do. Now again, this is a, let me what I'm going to say here is a bit short-circuited, but anytime the principle is something other than protecting rights, you have what I would call a rule of man society as opposed to a rule of law society. This is, this is a, a notion that John Adams and many of the other framers talked about. We need a, 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 an empire of laws as opposed to an empire of men. You get an empire of men when some men are controlling or ruling uh, other people, and how do they do that? They do that by imposing force against them, by essentially treating them as serfs or slaves or means to their own end. So whatever the law does, it has to, uh, it has to protect individuals' rights, which means protect them from force, protect them from being ruled by others, as opposed to violating their rights. So rights provides not only a principle for government, it provides a principle by which uh, the, the members of government and the people can judge. Is this a proper law? Is it a proper principle as opposed to just a way of sort of oppressing somebody? In the 20th century, so since the time of the founders, and again, this is a very truncated kind of historical overview, we have, we have moved away from the idea that government's purpose is to protect rights. And there are a lot of reasons for that. There are a lot of fundamental and underlying philosophical causes for that. You could, you, you could peg altruism as one well, notion that, um, that individual's uh, duty is to sacrifice themselves for the good of others and that government should implement that sacrifice. Collectivism is another example of a similar principle, the idea that, uh, that the goal of individuals or the proper purpose of our lives should be to submit to the group. And, and of course, if, if that's the proper purpose of our lives, the government should implement that. But there are a number of of kind of clashing or or at least uh, 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 philosophical views that are inconsistent with the idea of freedom and individual rights. What you have in the 20th century is what I would call the rise of majoritarianism as a principle of government. Now, there's a lot, again, to say about this. I tend to look at it as in the absence of a clear, commonly held view among Americans of what our government should do. We've sort of tossed it over to the majority and the people and said, hash it out in elections, hash it out in government and, you know, whatever the majority thinks, that's what, uh, that's what government should do. And that's kind of what we have today. And if you, if you really look at the nature of these debates, consider the fact that Obama is elected and when he proposes the idea of Obamacare and people fight him on it, what's the first thing he says? I have a mandate from the people to fix the health care system. Um, both sides use this idea constantly. You can see it even in the Supreme Court. So when the Supreme Court dealt with the Obamacare case, the challenge to the individual mandate, uh, Justice Roberts wrote a decision where he interpreted a law that was clearly designed as a regulation and he thought was unconstitutional under the, under the, under the Constitution or under this, the Commerce Clause. Um, he reinterpreted it as a tax so it would be constitutional. The reason he did that was um, when, uh, when, government, when the elected branches of government pass laws, they have moral authority, in essence, is what he said, and, uh, and we, the courts, are not um, authorized to overturn the will of the people, right? So this, this notion that we have uh, a democracy, a majoritarian democracy, where the people get to do whatever they want, so long as three branches of government or two branches of government, as the case may be, are willing to sign off on it is precisely the reason now, um, or a large part of the reason that government that, that Obama is allowed to get away with rewriting the law. And that we have a system of law that amounts to, um, you know, it, 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 it is at times a kind of organized oppression. If, if enough people want to force the young to sacrifice for the good of the old and to subsidize their health care, then that's, that's uh, the best we can hope for. And what do the conservatives say about that? With this Ted Cruz rightly criticizing what Obama is doing, he comes in and he says, well, I think this is horrible, but as long as you get Congress to sign off on it, then it's it's consistent with the rule of law. And I, I think that's, uh, um, that's, there, that's entirely this, wrong.
1: But it sounds, like, I mean, so I agree with you, but it sounds as if there's still something to the idea of uh, the procedures by which we, we get law. So it, it how do you tease those apart? Yeah, that's a great question, and it's absolutely
2: right. And so one of the genius... So I revere the founders. I think they made some mistakes, but I just think they're giants. That what they did, just getting what they got right, was the most amazing thing in the whole history of mankind, in my view. Um, and And what they got right was really two things, really just to, to distill it to its essence. It's understanding that the proper moral foundation of government is the protection of rights, okay? That's what they did in the Declaration of Independence. Secondly, in the Constitution, what they did was they came up with just an absolutely ingenious framework for creating a government that is the best you can do uh, for preventing a government from oppressing people as opposed to protecting the rights that has ever been devised by the mind of man, you know, in, in the history of mankind. Now, and that gets to the procedural requirements. So let's talk just a little bit about that. And again, this is very brief, but any system of laws has to be objective in terms of its purpose. It has to have a purpose that is derived from the facts of reality. And again, just to short circuit that uh, the, the, the analysis, that's the protection of rights, because we can ground the protection of rights in the nature of man and what man requires for his own survival. So that's only half the, the battle, though. And then you need to make sure your laws are clear, they are passed by the proper authorities, that you have a government whose powers is lim- are limited and, and divided for reasons I'll get into in a minute, um, that you have proper procedures for enforcing the law, uh, so that, in essence, people can Choose their actions according according to the law. They can ensure that they are complying with the law. The only way, only way you can comply with the laws if it's knowable in advance and and there are, uh, and there, and it's clear and you understand what the law says. And finally, that the government is passing and implementing the laws
1: according to proper
2: procedures.
1: So. Where does that leave the argument about separation of powers, yeah. which is what Obama has been accused of running roughshod over?
2: Yep, good question. And it's the, re- it's the, it's the next logical question, so a good one to, to address. So getting back to what the framers did. Here's the the essence of what the framers did is they created a government of limited powers that were spelled out on paper. Okay, Previously, government powers were not spelled out. Government got to do whatever it really thought it wanted to do according to the rulers or the people or whomever. The founders said, we're going to write all this down and make it really clear on paper. So, uh, limited powers that are that are spelled out on paper and that are divided among uh, different branches of government according to function. Okay, so the, the three powers of government, and I think this is just logically derived from the nature of what government does. Its purpose is to protect rights So you need a body that enforces the law, you need a body that passes the law, and you need a body that judges disputes and decides when there are disputes, both among individual private citizens, but also uh, among and between the various branches of government, and that's the the courts. right? So Congress is the legislature, it's divided into two houses, uh, and it passes the laws, and the, the idea of separation of powers operates on a number of different levels throughout um, the structure of our government. So just consider Congress. Um, the House of Representatives has the power to lay, uh, to, to, uh, um, to uh, pass revenue and finance matters, um, and the Senate doesn't have that power because you don't want one branch of government with the awesome power to tax the people. So the founders decided to divide that up. You need, um, uh, you need the, the consent of the president to get any law passed, certain types of laws have to be introduced by um, uh, different houses of the government, and oftentimes they're they're uh, they're promoted or or introduced by the president. But the ultimate idea is um, no branch of government has all of the power that the government can have in in total, and that that prevents any uh, single entity from essentially becoming dictatorial so the, the separation of powers and I can say more about it because there are many more details there's just a lot to it and I don't want to bog down the discussion but the idea here is that we we don't give too much power to any one branch of government we set up a government in a way that their their forces are essentially opposing one another um, and uh, and as a result we create a system in which preservation of rights and keeping government cabined to its proper authority is as lasting and as, as secure as, as can possibly be.
1: So what I'm getting from your uh, comments, and, and just so if I, I can summarize it in my, in my words, so it sounds like what we've retained from the original conception is the mechanisms and the, and at least largely the, the separation and the offsetting of different powers but what's missing where there's become a kind of a vacuum that's filled with the wrong ideas is the substance. What yeah. What is the purpose? What yeah. should be driving things? So tell us more about what you think needs to happen now. Or what, if that's what's missing in the debate, how would you, how would you address that? Yeah, so the, the simplest way to put it, although not the simplest way to actually affect
2: the change, is we need to return to a government whose sole purpose, sole purpose is the protection of rights. One of the mistakes, I would say, that the founders made, and this is an understandable mistake in context, was they recognized that governments are instituted among men to protect rights, but they didn't limit government's power solely to that one function. Now, there are many reasons for that. They didn't quite understand the nature of rights. They didn't understand that there's only one way you can violate rights, which is the initiation of force. And they had a kind of a vague conception of you know, government is supposed to promote the common good and we need infrastructure and a a number of other things that aren't strictly limited to uh, the protection of rights. So what we need to do to reinstitute the rule of law is to put government on the proper footing uh, in substantive terms, which means only protecting rights. They got the procedure, I think, almost completely right. I mean, again, there are things that one can criticize in the Constitution. But the main mistake they made in the Constitution was giving government too much power. So let's take just one quick example, the Commerce Clause, right? Government in the Constitution got the power to essentially regulate economic affairs among men. That was a power that they should not have gotten. That's not a power that protects rights. That is typically a power that violates rights. And, and so that, but that was a substantive problem. They gave too much power to government. I think the structure of the Constitution and the, and the, um, the view of the rule of law that we get from England and even Rome going all the way back to Roman times is primarily on the procedural side. And it's quite good. It's an understanding that laws have to be clear. They can't be retroactive. They, they can only apply to things that were actually crimed crimes when they, were, when they were outlawed, that sort of thing, and that you have proper procedures. The founders got that. It's the substance that, that they missed. And as a result of that, what we have now is laws that are in fact and are sometimes designed to effectively oppress people, to violate rights. You cannot have a, or you will not have a rule of law society over time if the purpose of government is widely held to be, or allowed to be, violating rights. You can't write rational rules that um, allow uh, government to violate rights and I can elaborate on that. Well, a so, more,
1: but so let me just push on that. Sure. So what you're saying is if Ted Cruz is of the world who make these articulate statements in defense of the procedure and, and the, the mechanism, if they got their wish and we were word perfect in terms of abiding by it, that still would not be a protection against the, the dissolution of the law. Yep,
2: that's absolutely right. So let me try to explain why that is. This is this is, uh, um, it's a very important point. It's not easy to get, but consider it. Um, let's, let's take a look at uh, certain types of laws. I think Obamacare is a good example because what does Obamacare ultimately do? What Obamacare ultimately does is it says, we the government are in control of your private choices in the healthcare market or your private choices over healthcare. And we have decided that you need to... Uh, you need to subsidize let's say the health care of the of the uh, old or the young young people have to sacrifice for the good of the old which ultimately means pay for their insurance okay or and, and part of that uh, part of this restructuring let's say of the healthcare care market means we're going to now tell employers and insurance companies what type of insurance they can issue what type of policies they can issue to their to their uh, to their employees now that's for the government to actually implement that requires control of an ever-growing sphere of personal choice, right? So just consider how do you tell uh, insurance companies to issue the, quote, right type of coverage? You have to effectively issue a slew of regulations that tells the insurance company, this is the type of uh, coverage you, you can write into your policies. This is the type of coverage you can't. Employers, you have to do X and Y. And that, that slowly but surely puts government and the people who run government in control of the individuals who run health insurance companies who, run, uh, um, uh, who are the employers, and ultimately we as individual citizens. So that amounts to precisely what John Adams said government should not be. The rule of men over other men. Because what is it? It's Obama, it's Congress, and it's an army of bureaucrats dictating to us. It's saying on a moment by moment basis, here are the choices you need to make. And what what does that amount to in principle? That amounts to a bureaucrat controlling my life through the force of law. That is the very definition of the rule of men over the rule
1: of law. So, Steve, I want to bring together some of the threads from the discussions. How do you, you know, in a nutshell, how would you put your perspective on this? Sure. So,
2: the the takeaway points are are these, first and foremost, we can't know uh, what our laws should look like if we don't know what the proper purpose of government is. And here, the principle really is form follows function, right? I mean, laws are the means of implementing what government is supposed to do. If we don't have a clear conception of what government is supposed to do then we are not going to have a clear conception of what the rule of law should look like, right? Um, so that's the first point. The second or related point to that is the proper purpose of government is protecting rights and only protecting rights. When you go beyond that, what you are effectively doing is using force, right? That's what government is. It's force to tell people how to live their lives, i.e. to violate their rights. That is a rule of man society over a rule of law society. Um, And anybody who claims that the the purpose of government is to go beyond protection of rights, uh, we should at the very least be suspicious of them. I think we should treat them like a kind of a person who wants to dominate us. That's why people say I wanna use the force of law to do something other than protect rights. That means they wanna oppress people. That means they wanna violate rights. That's something we should really be concerned about. Uh, Next point is democracy is not the same thing as the rule of law. It is not the same thing as constitutional government. We should never refer to our government as a democracy or accept this idea that it is a democracy. Consider what democracy is. It means that the majority gets to use, as I mentioned a moment ago, the force of law to compel the minority to do what they want. That's not a rule of law society. That's not a society in which force, which is what government is, is subjected to objective principles uh, outside the whims of individuals. That's just, that's no no different ultimately than dictatorship. It's a dictatorship of the the masses. Uh, And that's precisely what the founders sought to avoid. So if we think that um, our government is a democracy, we are going to make that mistake. The final point is you can't create a rule of law society or a free society with the proper procedures. The proper procedures are absolutely essential. But again, form follows function here. The procedures follow the purpose and the goals. You can't know what the procedures are until you know what the the purpose is. Uh, And over time, as brilliant as the founders were, and I really give them credit, one of the things that's neat to think about is that we've had mixed premises about what our government should do practically since the founding era, but certainly a few decades after the founding era, and somehow we've preserved freedom for about 200 years in this country. That's a testament to how brilliant the founders were. The the, the government they gave us was pure genius, but it wasn't enough. And we can see the cracks now really developing. And it is precisely because constitutional protections aren't enough that right now Obama is able to rewrite the law. And what does the right say? The best they can say is, essentially, let's involve all three branches in this massive destruction and violation of rights. Well, that's no answer. And nobody's gonna put up with that. And people will begin to view the rule of law as kind of a joke. They'll become cynical about it. If all they think, if all Ted Cruz has to say is, what we really need to do is involve Congress in the violation of your rights and the total takeover of healthcare, people will stop caring about that entirely. So if we wanna care about the rule of law, we have to care about the purpose of government and that's to protect freedom and rights. Well,
1: thanks, Steve. Great conversation. Good.
0: Thanks. You've been listening to Eye to Eye, an Ayn Rand Institute podcast. This episode with host Ellen Journal and guest Steve Simpson is titled The Government versus the Rule of Law. Steve Simpson is a former senior attorney at the Institute for Justice and current director of legal studies at the Ayn Rand Institute. Mr. Simpson writes and speaks about constitutional, legal, and philosophical issues. You can read more commentary by Mr. Simpson by visiting the Ayn Rand Institute blog at ari.einhorn.org/slash blog. Information and episodes of this podcast are available on the Voices for Reason blog at ari.ainrand.org or on iTunes. You can find more information about Ayn Rand and her IDs on the web at aynrand.org. I'm Carl Swanberg for Eye to Eye.